G'day folks, hope you're well. Welcome to the March instalment of the JPS Education Portal. I'm your host as always, Mackenzie Baker, and here today I'm joined by Samuel Shepherds and Martin Raffaello. Great pronunciation. Thanks. No. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time this morning, gentlemen. Now this month, we're going to be talking about body composition. Okay. So I suppose to get the ball rolling, we'll discuss the reasons behind someone might want to change their body composition. And do you want to take this one, Marto? Yeah, well, I guess we get many uh, clients who uh, come into JPS and we sit down and we consult with them. And usually like the main talking point is actually body weight. Usually always come, people. usually people come in with a, with a body weight goal in mind um so they might say hey i'm here and i need you to help me lose five kilos but as you kind of you know question question them a bit further and dig a little bit deeper you realize that what they actually want to do is improve the way they look and in some cases uh, losing weight is going to help with that but more specifically what they're actually after is body composition improvement and they just really haven't formalized that in their head yet because they simply attach losing weight with looking better. And that, as we know, that's not always going to be the case because as someone diets down, especially if they don't really have any guidance, don't really have any direction, and they're just following things that they see online, which may not be uh, ideal for them and their situation, it is possible to lose muscle mass as you, as you diet down. Um, and it's possible to be employing uh, methods with your nutrition, with your training that could in the long term be somewhat detrimental to how you look. Um, that is your, your body composition. So having a better understanding of body composition, I think is important. And I think people need to realize that long term, what they're after is fat loss, not specifically weight loss and, you know, muscle growth or at minimum uh, muscle maintenance. So really what we're thinking about when we're thinking about the term body composition is the makeup of the body, right? And we can break that down into a few different ways. And maybe that's something we can get into later. Uh, the easiest and simplest way to, to look at it is we have fat mass and we have fat free mass. And there's other layers that we can pile on top of that. Uh, and that's almost wholly distinct to you know, the number you see on the scale because the number you see on the scale is just really your relationship with gravity at any given point in time. It doesn't tell you how much fat mass you may have and how much fat-free mass you may have. And changes to your body weight, especially day-to-day, -day, uh, don't always reflect uh, changes to those two compartments. So you know, fat mass and fat-free mass. Usually those day-to-day -day fluctuations are going to reflect changes to fluid levels in the body, maybe gut mass as well, um, which aren't really uh, specific to one's body composition. So that's a little bit of an intro uh, to body composition. And uh, usually, like I said earlier, that's what we find ourselves discussing with clients when they come in is, hey, body weight's one thing, but this is body composition and this is probably what you're after. Radio. so what you're saying here is that scale weight might not be the best marker 
of, I guess, appearance improvement from a physique perspective. So we actually want to sort of take compartments of body weight or components of body weight rather being your fat mass, your muscle mass. But we also want to consider some limitations of the scale weight being those acute day-to-day -day fluctuations, which would be things like gut content or, mm -hmm. you know, be related to fluid balance. Okay, so as a certified body image coach, you very quickly raised the idea of improving how you look. But I want to throw this one over to you, Sam, and, and pose the question of, well, you know, is it all about how you look? Or are there other reasons why one might pursue body composition change uh, that are independent to a physique style improvement? I would say, like, absolutely. <clears throat> um, as Martin alluded to, a lot of the clients we actually have come through, although they want to, like, they may have a goal to lose weight, you know, weight, they want to lose body fat. Um, a lot of the time, that's also very heavily linked to feeling better, feeling better in themselves, feeling better about themselves. Um, and sometimes they, they might, you know, just for example, someone comes in, I want to lose five kilos. And then as we go through the training process, we start to make lifestyle improvements, you know, addressing some general nutrition um you know, what they're doing with their nutrition, general activity. How can they live a better, healthier lifestyle that aligns with the type of person that they're saying they want to be, want to look like, want to feel like? We start to see that not only does body composition change, but the way they feel about themselves change. And they're not, it's not heavily correlated between, okay, well, you lost five kilos. Now you feel the way you expected to feel. A lot of the time they start to feel immensely better. They start to see a lot more, um, positive outcomes that aren't necessarily related to the specific number on the scales. So I do think that the pursuit of body composition goals is like one ingredient in, I guess, the total health uh, equation recipe. Um, and a lot of the time that when they just start to do the things that actually will positively improve body composition, training, being more mindful of nutrition, just generally trying to be more active, live a more, you know, uh, healthy lifestyle, they start to feel better as well, right? I think that they go hand in hand uh, to a large extent. So I think sometimes it's just a matter of putting the cart before the horse where people are like, oh, when I, when I lose five kilos, I'll be happy. But it's actually, you'll be happy when you do the things that, you know, looking after yourself by being active, looking after your nutrition, caring about yourself enough to do these things. And then you start to be happy and then, you know, feel better about yourself, feel good, feel more comfortable. And then you start to see the scales also go down generally. Right. So I really like how you mentioned total health there. So what I'm getting here is that the physique improvement or the body composition improvement style thing in a lot of cases, but not all, is more of a byproduct of deeper intentions. Personally, from my experience, I think people will come to a coaching, in my case at least, and they'll say, I want to, you know, lose weight or lose body fat or gain muscle or, or it's, you know, it's not always directly, especially these days, actually less so, but I guess earlier in my career it was more so clients just coming with body composition type goals. And I think, you know, when you ask questions, you discover that there are actually deeper themes that are driving that goal and that 
it's more a case of they don't know actually how to phrase the goal that they have in mind. They're like, well, I actually like the idea of being a healthier person. I like the idea of making more health directed choices and how that's going to make me feel, or maybe it's a literally a health thing. Maybe they've had a health, have a, had, have had a health scare or something like that. Um, but they don't know how to articulate that, or they're just not really too sure. Like, you know, you go to a nutritionist, you can't really, it's just hard for them to say sort of, it's just easier to say, oh, I want to lose weight or gain muscle. So I think when you ask questions, it uncovers a lot more of that. But anyway, beside the point, the fact of the matter is that whether it's the direct part of the goal or sort of the secondary part of the goal as a byproduct of something else, people often want to improve their body composition. And as Mano sort of sort of said, you know, we can do that multiple ways. We can lose body weight, uh, body fat rather, and we can gain muscle mass. Or in some cases, we may even be able to achieve both at the same time. Now, you know, we're on the JPS education portal here. I think it's safe to say that most people in this platform probably know a decent amount about training and nutrition. They probably know that if you want to gain muscle, you want to do resistance exercise, blah, 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 blah. So I think it would be more productive for us to talk about maybe starting off with what would you say to someone who is getting into their physique improvement journey or their body composition improvement journey? What would be sort of a few bullet points of advice that you would give them or give a coach who's starting off in the industry, who's working with clients who are looking to improve their body composition? I'll probably start with you on this one, Pardo. Yeah, so I, th I think the, the first one is trying to employ a, a long-term mindset. Uh, we know that body composition change does take time simply due to the fact that building muscle in itself uh, takes time. And although we can, we, can, we can make body composition changes in the short term by losing body fat, uh, because you can generally lose body fat a bit faster than you can put on muscle, uh, that's eventually going to get you to a certain point and to continue making improvements from there, you've got to hold your ground and, you know, stick to the plan in the long run. And that often means spending a little bit of time away from your ideal physique. I think this is a conversation that I'm often having with, with clients, uh, you know, they might've, um, cut down at a certain point, been pretty happy with the way they looked and they felt, uh, but, you know, from the get-go, the conversations we were having were were about how the weight that they're going to get down to is it might not be a sustainable weight for them. And it's, it's, it's something that they have to acknowledge and understand that long-term to continue making improvements, they kind of have to step away from that and spend a bit of time uh, being somewhat uncomfortable. So you have to be in a surplus to be, to be building muscle, no. Uh, but you need to be fueling your body to a certain extent. And oftentimes that comes with uh, a positive weight change um, and, and long-term, hopefully, yeah, the, the muscle growth is, is observed. Um, but that, that does take quite a bit of time. So I think that's, that's one of the, the first points. And the second point might be trying not to get caught up in um, the data. So, you know, measuring things, is good because you know to, to manage things you have to measure them uh, as people often like to say so 
there has to be there has, there has to be a certain number of metrics that one is is tracking and evaluating over time but a lot of people seem to think that more is better and that's not really the case because the more data points that are being collected and evaluated the greater the chances i think of getting caught up in all the noise and it might then become a little bit harder to actually find the signal. So why is this relevant? Well, there's so many different ways you can actually measure body composition, right? There's, there's numerous ways you can, you can even have scales these days, weight scales that you step on and somehow they tell you what your body composition is at. Now, how accurate are these things? Well, you know, they, they have their own level of, of accuracy. Um, what I mean by this is if you, if you have three or four different scales, they're all going to have their own inherent level of accuracy. So if you if you use one and then you step on the other, you're already compromising that that potential accuracy you're going to get from being consistent with the same scale. But in reality, um, how accurate is the information they're actually giving you? You know, relative to your true body composition, it's questionable. And uh, people might be using that to track their body composition. They're also tracking their body weight, and they're also getting circumference measures. And they might get a DEXA scan here and there. What I'm describing here is a lot of different data points. Uh, and again, with, with all these data points, especially when the level of accuracy is questionable, it's easy to fool yourself into thinking that you're not making progress when you actually could be, or you could fool yourself into thinking that you're making progress when you're actually not making progress at all from a body composition standpoint. And there's many way, there's many reasons as to why either of those two scenarios could actually be um, taking place. Uh, and I've, I've definitely been in that situation with clients in the past where, you know, all I really want is, you know, training performance changes over time. I want some, some visual progress shots here and there. I want some body weight, uh, body weight uh, measurements here and there. And you know, they might come to me with, you know, four or five other things because, you know, they might have a scale at home and they, they might do their own, you know, circumference measures, or they went to a gym and they had a, a BIA, you know, that machine that you kind of hold on to gives you all your, all your body composition metrics. And just as a coach, um, you're not, not only is it too much, I think it not only is it too much for an in, individual to handle, but even as a coach, I simply don't need all of that. And it makes it harder for me to make decisions. So I often get a lot of online clients who start up with me and they're like, what do you need? You know, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want that? I can measure this. I can measure that. And people seem to be under the impression, or at least some people seem to be under the impression that the more things they provide their coach with, the better the decisions the coach is actually going to be able to make. But in many cases, um, less is more as long as you're choosing the right metrics, right? So if you if you have a, a little uh, battery of, of tests or metrics that you're that you're measuring and, and you know you know they're 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 good, you know they're accurate enough and you have a good understanding of how they should be interpreted and then used to make decisions. As a coach, um, you know, you've got to you've got to stay true to that. And yes, there's always other things you could be doing. There's always other measurements you could be taking and things that you could possibly know and you know, things that you could be trying. There's always going to be things out there that you might come across on Instagram. But at a point, you've got to stay true to your philosophy, um, to the methods that you employ, and just make small changes over time. Tinker with your methods over time. Tinker with the measurements you're taking over time and the metrics you're after. And don't make changes overnight just because someone's posted something on Instagram that 
you think is really, really cool. Maybe it's a, a new data metric, it's a HRV or it's this or it's that. Um, oftentimes staying true to your methods over time will yield the best results and then tinkering based on, you know, any new information that comes out that you might deem is um, suitable to you and, and your clients because that's that's another thing, right? It's got to be suitable to your coaching style and your level of knowledge because if you don't know how a certain metric actually functions and how a certain measurement functions, then your ability to interpret it well is going to be decreased. So before you employ something new, probably in your best interest, you actually learn about it. Uh, and it also needs to be suitable to the client because some clients simply won't be able to stay consistent with measuring certain things. Um, so those are, those, are, those are a few pieces of advice I'd give. Right. So what you're saying is that all of your clients track their libido. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. uh, I wasn't expecting that, Mac. Um, <laughs> some of them do, not all. Radio, radio. Okay, and and yourself, Sam. That's what is, what would That's be good. your top um your top I guess words of advice, bullet points of advice for uh, novice physique improver people or coaches working with clients in that mode? I think the the points of advice that I give would be the same for both. So. Number one, embracing the process. So not so much focusing on the destination, which is again, you know, what we were, when we were first talking about, you know, people come in, they want to lose five kilos. Well, I'll be happy when I lose five kilos. And it's like the process is the stuff that is good for you. It's the stuff that makes the difference, um, you know, doing the work. So embracing that and appreciating that for what it is and, um, you know, seeing it as a very positive thing in your life, your training, your uh, nutrition, looking after yourself, making good decisions for yourself and living, I guess, generally um, a well-balanced and healthy lifestyle. Embrace that. And if you embrace that um, and enjoy the, the journey, you'll always reach the destination. And, you know, the destination, the goals will always change over time. You know, you get maybe put a little bit of size on, lose a bit of fat. And, you know, as, as you kind of tick each one off, that next destination will shift. But if you have an appreciation for the, the work that is necessary to get there um, and just keep doing it, you'll always progress and you'll always see the results in the long term. Um, next, I would say being open to making mistakes and learning. I think, you know, all three of us, you know, we could probably, we could talk for hours and hours on all the mistakes, the, uh, the dumb things we've done in the gym, out of the gym, um, in our pursuit, our own personal pursuit for, I guess, health betterment or specific outcomes, you know, be it body composition, you know, performance for a sport or anything like that. Um, so there's nothing wrong with making mistakes, but learn from them, right? Learn from your mistakes. And if you're a coach, uh, you're in a very valuable position where not only do you get to learn from your own mistakes, you can learn from clients' mistakes, and then you can pull all that knowledge and then share that with other clients to help expedite their own learning process. So they don't have to make mistakes. Um, third, uh, having a sustainability mindset, I think is the most important thing for most people when we talk about, you know, just general body composition, these longer term goals, Martin, um, you know, talked about having a long-term mindset and I'm talking, I'm going to take it maybe one step further and say sustainability because yeah, we want to think into the future, but we also want to be thinking, can I continue to do these things? And of course, there may be periods where we push the boundaries a little of 
you know, what we can sustain. Maybe we diet a little bit harder than we can comfortably sustain for a long time. Maybe we eat more than we can comfortably sustain for a long time. But generally speaking, we want to be doing things that we say, I could do this on the worst day of my life when I'm really busy having a shit day, I could still keep this up for the most part. Um, I think that's really important for longevity. And again, um, it will help you in, enjoy the process a lot more because you know you won't feel like as soon as you can't do something, you're a failure, right? And, and I, I guess it helps moderate um, the, the things that you're going to do, right? If you're taking extreme stuff out, uh, you're probably gonna have more um, consistent results. And Martin mentioned this to, well, alluded to it, but yeah, what gets measured gets managed. And I think, you know, Martin spoke about not just measuring everything because, you know, and thinking everything's important because it's very easy to get uh, bogged down in, you know, data and stuff that doesn't really matter. So I think it's important for individuals and coaches to pick, you know, a handful of, you know, just key measures that you're going to say, these are the things that I care about with my my training, my nutrition, my, my journey. These are the things that matter to me. Maybe it's, maybe it's scale weight. Maybe you take photos, right? But you don't have to do everything. I think, again, doing everything can become hard to manage, become, becomes hard to accurately measure and keep track of things. And it can just be too much sometimes. So I think just pick things you're gonna manage, pick, pick your yardsticks that are appropriate for you. Um, and just stick with those and manage those as best as you can. And that is my my four pearls of wisdom. Holy joy. What, what would yours be, Mackenzie? Holy joy. There was a lot of wise words there, Samuel. Um, well, to add my two cents, I will say that, you know, we've spoken about the long game here, but I think, you know, it's all well and good to say, take a long game mindset. But I think if you're always focusing on an outcome, whether that be a scale weight outcome, a skin fold measurement outcome, an appearance outcome, you are unlikely to be able to, to sustain or just want to continue. This is why I think, you know, there has to be that value in the process and that enjoyment or that, that, um, that just love of it. And you know, this also means that you're probably going to need to take steps away from optimality mm -hmm. and being okay with that. Because at the end of the day, if you can sustain all right for a longer period of time, you're going to probably not only get better results, but actually be a happier and a happier person with a superior, I guess, total health profile. Um, I think a lot of issues people run into is that they are all or nothing with their mentality. And don't get me wrong, I think there is a time and place for bouts of aggressiveness with your training and nutrition that isn't sustainable. You don't have to always be sustainable, but the overarching picture always considers total health and your values. You know, not everyone wants to be a high level physique sport athlete. You know, like personally, I couldn't give a flying F about getting jacked, all right? My priority right now is to recover from injury so I can do the sports that I need. And, you know, there are other people there who value their social life or maybe their their career is the most important thing to them. I think we always want to have a level of perspective and understand that, you know, if we're going to do this for a long time and actually improve our lives, we want to fit training and nutrition and physique goals or body composition goals 
within our value set rather than making our life fit around it. Because otherwise, if you do that, you're probably not going to sustain it for very long. And sort of on the end of that, I would say that, you know, Marto's spoken about ways to assess body composition change or measure it, if you will. I think there's a lot of value in looking for other markers of progress, such as adherence to certain behaviors or um, even subjective markers. So I wanted to sort of steer the conversation there because, you know, when we think measuring physique improvement, we've got the typical numerical based data points, um, the more objective side of things, not free from limitations, but yeah, there's, there's not a, a greater level. There's not very much subjectivity in there. So Mardo being more of a, just in my view, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, being more of like a, a physique sport style coach. Uh, or tends to work in that space a little bit more than at least I do. Do you think there is any value, if at all, in subjective markers of progress? And what might they look like? Yeah, I think um, most of my clientele are still general population, um, but I do tend to to coach bodybuilders. I'm quite interested in in that area. Um, and I think amongst all my clients, definitely biased more towards the general population. I, I'll usually have subjective um, measures of, of progress that I'm employing along the way. I mean, these can look very different depending on the person that you're working with because everyone's situation is a little bit different. Um when it comes to body composition specifically, because I guess that's the, that's the key kind of theme for today. Um, you know, what do subjective measurements look like? Well, there's a few different, few different ways we can kind of go about this. Um, I'll often with general population clients, I'll often find myself spending most of my time trying to actually steer them away from the numbers because a lot of general population clients will, will come in to the gym and they'll they'll want to be tracking things on a level that I'd be having a bodybuilder track them on. So they'll all they'll want is numbers, like we've, we've spoken about, scale weight, all that sort of stuff. So I spend most of my time trying to steer them away from that and trying to look at the subjective side of things. So, you know, how does one feel day-to-day? Uh, -day? And we're not just talking about, you know, physique-related feelings here, but just generally, how do you feel? How's your energy? How's your sleep? How's your stress levels? Basically, pretty much all the new clients that I start working with after a matter of weeks, they're speaking positively about each of those subjective, right, markers, right? Better energy throughout the day, right? Hunger is regulated better, right? Less cravings, better sleep. All these things are so important and they come along the ride, right? They come along this body composition ride. And for a lot of people, they're arguably going to be more important than seeing pure numerical changes in certain markers. Because if you're ticking all those boxes, all the subjective boxes, your chances of actually sticking to the plan and adhering and, you know, staying around in the long run are going to be much higher, or at least that's what I've noticed anyway. So, you know, for those general population clients, focusing on those subjective ideas, I think um, can help. And that is usually accompanied with, you know, people feeling better in their clothes, 
right? And just kind of noticing that slowly over time, or they might even come to me and say, hey, you know, people have noticed that I'm starting to to change and, you know, I look more energized and you know, maybe they, they, they've they given me some compliments. These are all things that uh, with the general population clients, I tend to steer my focus towards. And that's where I usually try and head the conversations. Yes, they might still be tracking their scale weight in the background and, and doing a few other things if I think that is necessary, but it's hardly ever the main focus point. So for the, the general population individuals, it's actually more so a subjective um, approach that I'm taking because I know that's going to help keep them around uh, in the long run and it helps them appreciate more so the process than the the actual outcome. You know, I've got this one client who comes to mind who I've probably been working with for a, a few months now and she's, she's, she's overweight. So we, you know, she knows that we know that. And, um, she's been trying to lose weight for her whole life really. Um, and you know, she's done everything under the sun to, to try and do that. And, you know, for the first, the first month or so, maybe the first month and a half, the goal was just getting better at her training because her training was all over the place and she was always getting injured because she was lifting too heavy. So doing that, um, not following a, a diet. So she was always, she's been following, she's been following a diet for her whole life, really. Like she's always on something, but she's not actually on it because she's not adhering to it. Um, and that's even worse than actually being on a diet, like thinking you're on a diet, but actually not being on one is probably worse than actually being, well, it is worse, I think, because you think it comes with all the mental baggage and the mental burden, but you're not actually making any progress. So that's where she was at. And the goal was to to not be doing that, right? And to focus not on the numbers, to focus on the subjective side of things. And the feedback from her for the first month and a half was all super positive, despite not seeing any changes to her body weight, which I thought was really cool because that wasn't the plan. That was not part of the plan. And I had to, you know, talk her out of that. I had to talk her out of kind of always stepping on the scale and waiting for the number to drop. Um, and now that we've been through that process, um, We've recently started, you know, what we can call a, a fat loss phase. And we've, we've kind of got a plan geared towards fat loss now and, you know, still keeping, keeping a, a handle on the scale weight changes over time. But again, not focusing highly on them, focusing more on the subjective side of things. And the, 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 the feedback has been great. Um, she's feeling the best she ever has. And she literally says that with every check-in, which is cool to, to, to hear about. Um, and when I say feel, I mean, you know, energy better, sleeps better, um, you know, just feels better in her clothes, all those things, which is so important. And her adherence has been awesome. And we've hardly really spoken about scale weight. And that's also coming down slowly as well. So, um, you know, hopefully that helps. I'm sure if I answered your question um, perfectly, but um, the, the, the takeaway there is that you, you, you know, you shouldn't dismiss the subjective side of things. And with some clients, it's actually probably going to be a little more important than, you know, having numerical data that you're, you're tracking and that you're keeping all your attention on. Yeah, that was a doozy, mate. Um, certainly some valuable insights there. It's interesting with that client you were describing, and, you know, I've sort of had many a time similar experience with clients who you know, have sort of been dieting forever or doing some kind of diet, but as you said, not actually like right. on it because of the adherence factor. And I think in these cases, there's a lot of value in actually taking time away for the first time in probably years for some of these clients, like taking time away from thinking about the physique stuff. Um, 
and it is a bit of a long game thing because it obviously they they want to be like put me in coach like i'm here for weight loss let's go and you're saying hey why don't you focus on like eating more vegetables and feeling good and they're like but eat your plants hey mac that's exactly right um (laughs) so i guess now over to you sam you know you work with obviously a lot of i guess gen pop clients yeah Um, yeah people like me um although i'm an elite athlete anyway um, (laughs) yeah but you're also to my understanding a pretty elite physique athlete so maybe you could explain some key differences in yeah we'll just we'll start it quite broad key differences in general hot body composition yeah and physique sport athletes so those who are actually competing in a physique sport that's a fantastic question and it ties in very well with a point um that i took down when martin was just speaking is that i think for a lot of these gen pop clients the way that they frame their nutrition goals and what they're doing with their nutrition and their training is maybe a little bit askew right so we hear the word diet thrown around a lot. And for me, and the way I explain this to my clients is that if you come into and to us and you're 120 kilos and you want to get down to a healthy body composition and a healthy body fat level, right? Because you're currently say obese or whatever, you're not dieting, you're changing your life. You're making lifestyle changes, which is completely separate to dieting in my books so most of the people that we come in here who are looking to make those health centric and like and you know the way you look and the way you feel about yourself is also a component of health so we'll call that health centric compared to um you know getting stepping on stage where it's really um it's taking that to an extreme i i would say you're making lifestyle changes And again, that ties into, we want to sustain those. We want to have a long-term approach with building a robust foundation of how you live your life when it comes to physical activity, be it, you know, you like to swim, you like to ride your bike. We want to make that a consistent theme in your life forever, right? That is how you'll preserve health for the longest time. Um, So I think moving away from the terminology of, oh yeah, we're running a diet. We're running a fat loss phase to get you closer to where you want to be for the longest time. And we're trying to do so in a way that the things that you're doing now, we're going to try and sustain those habits and behaviors. We're going to try and keep eating like this because that's how the you that you say you want to be eats. Compare that to a physique athlete, someone who is, you know, I think there's a lot of like uh, check boxes that need to be ticked off before you would even put someone through a contest prep. And this is something Martin and I speak about, you know, all the time, Um, you know, is someone actually ready psychologically, you know, in themselves with their life to do a contest prep? Because like I alluded to before, this type of dieting, this type of change is a short-term change. It's a temporary change and it's not one without consequences, right? So it shouldn't be taken lightly and dieting to, you know, to get to more extreme low levels of body fat for a temporary um, or for a very short period of time 
is unhealthy. It's, it's actually very counter to a lot of the work that we do with our clients, where we're actually trying to fortify their health. We're trying to build them up to be the best version of themselves, where this is sacrificing a lot of that for a very specific goal. So the way we frame it is you're sacrificing, you know, your your overall health, you're going to make social social sacrifices, relation, relationship sacrifices. You're going to sacrifice a lot of these things if you do want to do a contest prep, and that's fine. And we're going to be basically taking the normal body composition health work that we're doing. We're scrapping some of the health stuff and focusing more on the body comp um, aspects. So we're going to be, you know, training is going to be pretty much the same, but more dedicated to it. And you will have less time for other things because of that. Your nutrition is going to be more strict, right? Less wiggle room, um, if any at all. And we're basically trying to take you to a level that's actually unhealthy, right? And I think they're very, very, um, they're very similar in the fact that all it is is really nutrition and training management. They're just taken to different levels, right? And I, I think it is important to distinguish between trying to lose 10 kilos to improve your health and to get to a healthy body composition versus trying to lose 10 kilos to get onto a stage and accepting that you'll actually be unhealthy. Um, and there's a lot of consequences to that in the short term. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's my summary. That's great. That's my spiel. Um, yeah. I think as coaches, like we have a duty of care hmm. to, share the risks of any nutrition related yeah, goal training related goal with our clients and at the end of the day it's it's largely up to their own decisional balance and we can guide them through that process but you know i i'm of the opinion that in this day and age with instagram and that driving people's desire to look a certain way and um physique sports and being a, a insta fitness person being such a popular theme um i think so many especially younger folks are being sucked into like being all consumed by a physique goal and no one's ever actually stopping and saying hey like these are the some some of the cons or the risks and trade-offs that you need to consider like these things are serious they can be you know health threatening in a lot of cases um mm -hmm. So are you aware of them? You know, have you thought about it properly? Have you spoken to someone about it? If you're still willing and wanting to pursue the goal, then it's your choice. Like, let's go. But I think um, there's a lack of that sort of transparency in the fitness industry. And that can probably be for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think it's because coaches themselves are often, frankly, disordered in a lot of cases or have terrible body image themselves. And or they've been consumed by a physique goal or just this desire to be that person mm. and embody that identity. Um, and also I think it's financial as well. You know, a lot of coaches position themselves as physique sport coaches and there are the top echelon of those coaches who work with real physique athletes who, you know, like the first person who comes to mind when I think, you know, a real physique athlete is someone like Brandon Kempton. Like the guy lives and breathes. Yeah. It's like, he loves it. You know, it's not, it's not a, an ego thing. It's not a, 
you know, it's nothing to do with that. He literally loves the idea of the art of bodybuilding or an Eric Helms, you know, the way Brandon describes like a quad separation or something is low key weird, but like he loves it, you know? Yeah. So I think the top echelon Gen of coaches, genuine passion. Yeah. Genuine passion. Like the top echelon of coaches will work with that type of athlete, but sort of that's not always the case. And you get these young people who are like, yeah, I'm going to compete in this and that. And it, it really ends up being this negative experience in their life. And how many times you see someone compete in bikini or something, and then a year later, they're posting all the stuff about being this lean, did this bad stuff for me. And, yeah. you know, they're trying to like expose it almost. Yeah. It's just like if we had this, yeah. A lot of that comes down to, I think, coaches who potentially don't know better. Yeah. Right. And it's like, how many of these coaches would pull someone out of a prep if they thought it was not in the client's best interest, even if it's their goal to say, Hey, you know what? You're showing X, Y, Z red flags. I yep. don't think it's in your best interest. Um, let's focus on something. Let's, you know, move away from this and we'll read, we'll come back to it later when the time's right. I think instead you have uh, them just, you know, because we, they know that create a calorie deficit, you lose body fat, right? So you just, all you have to do is if you just keep driving calories down, 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 even if they're not adhering 100%, you know, put them on 600 calories a day. And even if they go, oh, I ate twice as much as my calories, 1200 calories is still fuck all. You're still going to lose weight. Most people are going to lose weight. So I think, yeah, the industry, <clears throat> it glorifies getting on stage um, no matter what. Um, I think there's also financial considerations there with the coach. Yeah, of course. Like, I'm not just going to pull my clients out of the physique prep, you know. And I think in a lot of cases, the client's going to do what they want to do. Yeah. I always, th I always think of that, like what you've just said. Like sometimes, and that, that's actually a really hard one, I think, for coaches to grapple with, is if a client's just going to do whatever they want. If, if I had a client who I thought wasn't ready to do a prep, I would be like, and they're like, if it's not with me, they're going to leave and go with someone else who's probably going to fuck them up more. I'd be like, okay, let's do the prep. And I would just try and like nurse them through it and just preserve as much health as you can. Right. It's kind of like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't. If they go somewhere else, they may get someone who actually just says, yeah, let's do it and crash diets them in. And then they rebound way out. So I think that's a, you know, that's a tricky balancing act for coaches to consider definitely yeah it's it's a tricky minefield i feel the physique side of things you know you ask the question of like you know the reality is that people want to look a certain way hmm. but i think yeah. there's so much and i don't think we should deny that i think there's there's also a movement at the same time of people denying that um that desire and you know, where is that coming from, that desire? Is it something that is manufactured or is it just part of human nature, you know, wanting to look a certain way? Is it is it is it something that is more of a natural thing? Um, or man-made. I think, yeah, I think there's such a big kettle of fish there that we, we won't go into because, you know, even where I'm living at the moment, like it's such a superficial area of Sydney. Um, and, you know, you think about some of the things you see on social media, which is like, oh, don't die, like more of the sort of body positivity stuff like this. And you just, you can't picture it being applicable in some of the settings some that areas. I find myself in. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's a bit of a kettle of fish there, and it's it's definitely fascinating, but we won't go into it. Maybe um, for yeah, maybe for the next the next new topic down the line. Um, so yeah, we're probably coming up on time now. So we'll probably finish up by with any sort of key take home messages or, or words of advice or anything that that you guys want to provide based on your experience and expertise, and probably get the ball rolling with you, Mark. Yeah, I think we covered quite a bit of ground there. Uh, the last thing I'd like to say is, and yeah, it's quite a, it's quite an important thing. We'll probably spend uh, another hour speaking about that. But the the health related benefits that come along with body composition improvement um, are massive and should be you know acknowledged. And as a coach, it's, it's definitely something you should be speaking to your clients about. And uh, it might help you know build a little bit of intrinsic uh, motivation. In your clients as well so it's not all about the the aesthetics the aesthetic change is one thing but what is happening inside on the level of your physiology uh, is massive and can be a, a a life changer literally for for many people so you know body composition improvement um you know that being lowered body fat levels and and higher lean mass is associated with so many improvements in important health markers related to your blood glucose regulation, you know, your cholesterol levels, um, your long-term risk of cardiovascular disease. There's so much going on there uh, on a microscopic level that we are unable to actually see with our own eyes, but that we should still, you know, keep in the forefront of our minds when we're coaching a lot of clients, because at the end of the day, we want to improve someone's health. That's yeah. really the main thing is improve their well-being, improve their health and, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on inside of you that you don't know about when you're lifting weights and you're eating well and you're moving and you're sleeping that, you know, can literally extend your, your lifespan. You know, I have a joke with one of my clients, I call her my favorite client all the time. Uh, this is Marima, by the way, Sam. Um, and I tell every time she hits a PB, I'm like, you just added like a few weeks to your lifespan. Like, it's just a joke that we have, you know, a running joke that we, we have going on and that makes her laugh. And it's, it's quite a fun time in the gym, but like, it's, that's literally what's happening. Like as, as she, she's been training with me for like six years and she's gotten so much stronger. She's like 55 and she's fitter, she's stronger and she's got a, you know, a good body composition for a, a woman of her age. And, you know, she's, she's miles ahead of the average level of health and fitness at that body weight at that age, sorry, I should say, like, like actually miles, miles ahead. If you look at, if you're working on averages um, and her body composition's improved along the way too. And it's not really a, a, a major focus. Um, it was initially when she first started working with me about six years ago, but I can't remember the last time we really spoke about anything related to, to body composition. So something to keep in mind. Hmm. The last thing I'll say and I'll leave everyone with is, um, you know, focus on being the best version of yourself and living a full and fulfilled life. I think any activity, uh, be it in the gym, you know, riding a bike, running, any activity is good activity. Um, obviously, our attitude is that there are some unique benefits to resistance training, um, you know, not only from a physique standpoint, but, you know, for preserving longevity, maintaining muscle mass, bone mineral density all these things um but be active you know pay attention to your nutrition you know do it for your body composition do it for your you know your mind for your health for do it for yourself and no one else um and i don't think you'll ever go wrong
mate. Awesome. And I guess like, I'll just piggyback off that and say, number one is be active. Um, and if that doesn't involve physique training, then, you know, uh, sorry, um, resistance training, then that's all right. You know, as Sam said, there's probably unique benefits of resistance training, but you know, if you enjoy, I don't know, like kayaking, for example, like my uncle loves kayaking and you'll never see him in gym. It's like, there's nothing negative about it. that's all positive. It's not like, oh, you're not going to gym therefore, you know, waste time or anything. So I think in terms of a, like a movement standard standpoint, I think people actually, in a lot of cases could be less fixated on going to a gym and, and more just focused on just getting the body moving. I think that's, that's a, a I guess my point. And then finally, um, with nutrition, probably more productive to focus more on the things you should eat in abundance rather than the things you should eat less of. And if you focus on eating, if you focus on the foods you should eat in abundance, generally the ones that you should eat less of sort of take, takes care of itself, but it does so in a way that is probably lower risk in terms of your relationship with food and, and other related factors. So yeah, yeah that's it. Um, yeah, this has been another episode of the, JKS Education Portal. I hope you folks all enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any questions for myself or any of the gentlemen here, uh, please don't hesitate to, to reach out and start a conversation. Thanks for your time. Cool. Thanks, gents.